Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Locally Sourced. I'm your host, Julia. Today's episode features a repeat guest, the brainchild behind Spinner Music Productions, and newly minted most influential event professional in the U.S., David Bruno. David carries over a decade of experience in both the hospitality and events industries. He has served two vice president roles on the board of directors of the International Live Events Association Boston chapter, as well as the director at large of the Massachusetts Live Events Coalition formed due to and in response to the COVID-19 lockdowns. DJ, as friends and families know him, is an avid snowboarder and frequent loon, great mountain by the way, Killington, Sunday River, and Bretton Woods, but his favorite is Winter Park in Colorado. Today, We'll be discussing, we're going to be diving deeper into the wedding planning. And we're going to be talking about new trends. And as you all know, COVID-19 really put a damper on a lot of fun. But this is going to be a lighthearted chat and more inspirational about what we can look forward to in the wedding industry and entertainment industry moving forward. And how we can make your day, your special day more fun and with some interesting stories along the way. As always, thank you for continued support for the locally sourced small businesses and entrepreneurs alike. Hey, David, how are you? Good, Julie. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Good, good. So, Congratulations on the successful podcast. Oh, thank you very much. And congratulations to you. You have um, quite the resume as I've read and as I've seen on Instagram. And, you know, just prior to to recording, just getting it more of an in-depth view as to who you are as an entrepreneur, who you are in terms of um, small business, uh, live, live entertainment uh, events. Like, it's really interesting to hear about what you've seen over the past year. And I love the fact that you want to take a little bit more of a different way and look at more of how to make it, how to make wedding planning fun, what you've seen and, you know, the uh, venue that you were at last night looked or the night before looked really cool. So I, I can't wait to hear more of like what you have to share with us today. I'd say that's my second favorite, favorite part of the job is the just the different amazing places that we get to work pretty much all throughout the country. Um, we've just taken a booking in Mexico and Orangestad, Aruba, excuse me, Palm Beach, Aruba, and then one in Dominican for later for next year. And I said it's a second part because I'm Italian. My first favorite part is the, the free meals. Uh, I can't I'm half and half I can understand that and you know what I don't fault you for that one bit (laughs) (laughs) that's usually my first question well what's on the menu then I will do whatever you want timeline Uh, no but thank you very much yeah it's COVID definitely essentially destroyed the event industry in almost a month I mean there was about 12 million of us that uh, consider this a full-time job that um, until COVID happened, the federal government and majority of kind of the world population didn't see these jobs as a legitimate career. We were considered mm-hmm. expendable, which is why you saw a lot of like the COVID um, assistance programs later on coming online with the gig workers and the, um, you know, those in events and in theaters and the concert workers and people that actually do have specialized careers that just can't easily pivot to something else. Like if they're a lighting rigger for a concert production, that's an electrical job, but they may not be able to do just hop in a building and start wiring up outlets. Like it's a very different tract is what we all go through and what we learn in our specializations. And luckily the general public of the entire world, and thankfully also here in the United States took hold to that in the last 18 months and kind of made it that, you know, we are getting our own tax code now. That's the kind of and the big official thing is that we can on our taxes put in that we have whatever that four, five, six digit number is that this industry now has been legitimized. So COVID, while it wrecked us, legitimized us in a way. Right. Right. And it's like a complete 180. And like really honestly, you know, I don't think 
I think more so now people realize like just how influential you are to the economy and how really important you are. And people don't realize that until it comes time where they do have to plan something. And, you know, I think that while like it's such a craft, uh, such a fun, like you literally spend blood, sweat and tears in years over fine tuning it and like finding your niche and finding what it is that like what you want to really cater to um, and how, like what that looks like. And even the trials and triumphs and it's a lot of trial and error and dusting yourself off and getting back up again too. So I'm curious to hear more about like what, like even just like what you've seen like before and after and like some of the big takeaways for you, like even just in, and you mentioned earlier, you said 111, 111 weddings. Is that what it was? That's yeah, we, we have done now 111 net weddings. I mean, this is now early October as of this past weekend. We're now going into Columbus Day weekend. I'm not sure when this will actually air, but um, as of now going into Columbus Day weekend, we're at 111 weddings for this season. Normally, that's our entire year. We didn't even get started until almost, I mean, we had a couple in March and April and smaller ones, but we didn't really get started until end of May, beginning of June. May 29th is when mass went um, surprisingly restriction-free. So, mm-hmm. you know, there were a couple other states that were ahead of us. New Hampshire was early April. Connecticut and Rhode Island were early May. Uh, New York finally kicked in sometime in July. Vermont, I think, was just before July 4th. I mean, now we're all essentially fully open. There's still some kind of hurdles we have to go through, like our guests actually being as safe as like we as suppliers are hoping that they're going to be. Are they, you know, we're not requiring, let's say, like vaccine cards or negative tests at the door, but a lot of the brides and grooms and the grooms and grooms and the brides and brides that are booking these weddings are putting it on their guests to be smart and maybe don't go on vacation right before the wedding and do take a rapid test right before. And we actually did have a wedding at a very nice venue that I won't name, but where the morning of the wedding, nine guests tested positive. They were all uh, brought in from out of state. They were all there for three days before for like a mini quarantine almost where they kind of all just were in their own little bubble together. And they had to take Mm -hmm. a test on that Wednesday. And also that Saturday morning and Saturday morning, nine people tested positive and couldn't come. If they had come, it was an outdoor wedding. Could it have been a risk? Yeah, very, very big one. You know, we've seen how exponentially like these super spreader events. I mean, this industry was demonized almost overnight. You know, we went from everyone's happiest day of their lives to a death threat almost. Right. There was interesting dynamics to kind of understand that, like how, you know, we almost became therapists too overnight because when I personally, we work heavily in weddings. Um, I've got some friend in corporate events, they lost everything. Companies either went under or weren't budgeting for it or just, you know, we'll do it next year. It's not safe right now. Whereas a lot of like religious-based events, I have friends that are in the mitzvah market. Well, the bar bat mitzvah, benai mitzvah, beno mitzvah happen when a child's 13, mm-hmm. not when they're 14, not when they're 12. So they, you know, they, they may do, those families may do. They had their drive-by parties. They had their Zoom get-togethers with maybe like a magician or some kind of virtual entertainment. We dipped our toes in that kind of world for a little bit too in the virtual stuff. Um, it's definitely not sustainable for a business like ours. It is sustainable as a business on its own with its own business plan, but, um, Mm -hmm. that's a very tech heavy pivot from entertainment to technical production, essentially. Right. Right. And I think that like, what are like, in terms of like bridal parties, because we touched a little bit over like on, on chat as well, like what are some, what are in, because you've seen so many weddings, what are some of the aside from like wedding parties and like the couple to be like 
hoping for their guests to be safe. Like, what are some of the biggest trends that you've seen, like, from that time that you, like, that really, you honestly did go from, like, zero to, like, 120? So Uh, we actually just won a national award for um, a demonstration event we did back at Lombardo's in uh, Randolph, Mass. last October, just about a year ago, October 15th of last year, we did this. It was called The Empty Wedding. Um, it was right when we were in a, 20, there could only be 25 people um, of us in this event. This event was set up for 250 guests and 40 staff. So almost 300 people indoors in a ballroom last October at the height of COVID. There were no guests. No one was invited besides Charlie Baker, Lieutenant Governor Polito, and a couple of news organizations um, and Health and Human Services Department or you know, Department of Health for the state uh, to come in and kind of see how are we setting up a 200, almost 300 person indoor event in the height of a pandemic, um, one that involves respiratory droplets, you know, it's not just like contact spread. And what we did is we made this whole demonstration about building the safety into the design. So while there were some kind of like, keep it simple, stupid things like signs saying, wash your hands and enter this way, exit that way, kind of like the obvious, like pandemic control measures. But then what we did is in the design of the event built in those safety standards. So instead of having, you know, passive aggressive X's on the ground or arrows, we set the tables up in a cool design that kind of forced a flow of people to stay away from each yeah. other without it being so obvious that that's what our goal was. Same thing with the dance floor. We put more, instead of putting the high top tables around the dance floor, we position them almost like in different little pods in the dance floor. So even if you could get together with, you know, five, six, seven, ten people in like a little dance circle, you still couldn't physically be around other dance circles. Um, yeah. Were these like an end all measure? No. Um, the governor's office didn't show up to this event at all, but they did catch wind of it. But these things here, like we're proud to say, like have throughout the Boston, like the higher end catering uh, market, which really for the Boston area um, isn't so much weddings. There was a lot of weddings. Boston's a very high end wedding market. Uh, it's up there with New York, Miami, um, some of like the very big markets. And I think it's number nine as far as like the overall trends in the events market uh, in the United States. But it had taken off. It had gotten that national award. It gained attention. A lot of people are doing it. So instead of, uh, you know, what we had seen prior to pandemic, uh, a lot of catering standards have changed. So instead of a waiter walking around, a waitress walking around with a tray of, let's say, um, cocktail sauce surrounded by shrimp and everyone's grabbing it with their finger and then dipping, you know, part of their fingers hitting that cocktail sauce and in your mouth and you come back later. No, now it's, you know, we have almost like buffet set up which now buffets yeah. create a gathering zone. So then also on top of a gathering zone for a buffet, there's a lot of hands that are now kind of in the same area, whether you're all going for the cheese platter or all going for the pasta tray. So instead mm-hmm. what we did is we did, a, you know, this industry took a turn in, in Boston for their conventions is the biggest market for us in here in Boston, uh, especially with so much biotech in the area is that we did like different levels of buffets. So hold on one second. I'm sorry. That's fine. Sorry about that. No, that's door fine. slammed, and I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Those stoneham ghosts. I know. Uh, let me back it up a half sentence. All right, was, uh, you're talking about the conventions and the, the big um, 
is a, like that's like one of the biggest like types of events for you. All right, so then to back up there. So, you know, in the past, prior to COVID, you'd have like your typical buffet stations or even corner of the room stations where a lot of people or even just a cluster of people, no pun intended, um, would gather <laughs> in an area and all their hands are kind of be in the same place. And whether it's all grabbing for the same drink area or the ice bucket or, you know, the bucket of limes to put in your fruit where my hand's now in there after maybe I just put in the drink too close to my mouth and actually licked the side of my thumb and I'm now grabbing that. What we've done is uh, everything from like really nice, like kind of on the more fancy, nicer, decorative side of like individually wrapped items or what we're doing with buffets now, instead of like your typical, like early 2000s sports banquet sterno, like on a buffet table is using uh, different elements, whether it's a, uh, an old TV that doesn't work anymore, just as like a space to kind of elevate something or um, uh, crates and stuff from, you know, whatever, just like apple picking and stuff or uh, pallets from a warehouse, just something to kind of fill in whatever the design is. It obviously would match the aesthetic of what you're going for, but just a reason to have different levels and elevations of this food. So maybe they're not individually wrapped. Maybe they still are open in a bowl where you scoop it. But say if you're having like a breakfast yoga bar at your business meeting, all the berries may not be in one thing and all the nuts may not be another. They may be all individually wrapped or in smaller bowls around here so that my hands are going up here and your hands are going down here. And we're getting the same thing, but from different, you know, different dishes and different areas. But it kind of creates uh, that separation, you know, a little bit more of six degrees or six feet of separation between us. And it still allows to have those communal, those grazing boards, like buffets are extremely popular for a reason. They allow you as the guest to make a choice versus being handed a plate. Other events that were using plates, what we had done is uh, making sure that, you know, you weren't passing a bread basket around, that a server was coming over and it's called like French service where they'd use the tongs to individually give you over your right shoulder. So it, it brought back a lot of like the kind of heyday of like uh, the glitz and glam of New York City and that kind of fine dining aspect. But in the 2020 and 21 version of we're doing it for safety. Uh, and again, Boston's a higher end market. So like we can, you know, charge these clients that are coming in here a little bit more to cover the cost of the product, to keep these things in separate containers versus one giant bowl. Uh, but that's just right. for food service. You know, there's tons of other things too, like drinks. We've looked at like individual uh, drinks, like the, uh, those new type of seltzers, um, the ones that are like vodka drinks and instead of like the malt beverage and having those instead of pre-mixed. There's a company that came out with a robotic bartender where you can like from an app or your drink, and it will can, uh, keep count of how many ounces you consume. So instead of a bartender seeing how drunk you are, this app will just say, no, you've hit 120 ounces of beer or no, you've hit six ounces of liquor, like you're shut off. But before you hit that, you can order whatever you want. And it's little like those, uh, those like Coca-Cola machines that were popular several years ago where one fountain drink, you could get Fanta and you can get Coke, uh, and cherry Coke and vanilla Coke and whatever from the same spout, same idea, but with liquor. Um, and that wow. became popular in a lot of kind of high, uh, high contact areas, you know, things like airports and malls and things that were, you know, hurt the most almost during COVID, but the event industry was really, we were the first to shut down the last to reopen. We're naturally a super spreader industry, you know, never mind the right. people that all come together for these events, but each of us staff now work Friday night, at this event and Saturday at this event and Monday morning at this event. And you're with a lot of people. So putting the safety measures on us, like we all went. I'm right now a certified COVID-19 compliance officer and had to go through a two-day course. I'm pretty much everything that you know and you've known from the news and like our general stuff, but it was a lot more in front of us. So now I can get in trouble if we don't follow those. So people that are actually having these licensed catered events um, versus like what they were doing last year during the shutdowns, the backyard events, those were the cause of super spreaders. When kind of just right. anyone can do whatever. When you have these professionals in here, it's not that we're here to police this and you know force you to kind of 
like a middle school PTO parent keeping the kids apart during a slow dance. It was more so <laughs> how can we like subliminally trick them into doing the right thing without them kind yeah, of mitigate it before it gets it before. Yeah. They get we don't want to be the flight attendant having to give instructions all night, you know, and, and like as like a DJ at weddings, like we have to try to build that rapport with the crowd early so that we can let them have fun. If we're there giving the rules all night, Hey, no glass on the dance floor. Hey, stand six feet apart. Hey, no dancing. It's not allowed right now. They don't like that. At the same time, if I went to the venue manager and said, no, you make that announcement, that's your rule. The state's looking at you, the venue, to make sure that happens. If we don't do that, obviously now we lose that future work when the pandemic's over and we can go back to like just putting everyone in a sardine can again. Um, right. And will that happen ever again? I don't know. I think it's going to take a long time for the general public to be okay with it. Uh, and I yeah. think you will see a lot of these trends of, of kind of building safety into the design and that kind of just extra eye on things and extra just look once over instead of, okay, let's, you know, have a festival for a thousand people. And here's the flow of it because we can stack as many vendors to purchase tents or tables in this area as possible. Now you may want to spread it out more. You may want to have more, you know, this gives you the opportunity to have more, maybe like a spread out lounge area and now show off your local furniture store versus putting another like restaurant or another like high impact area, like a kid's activity there. Like just have a couple chairs that are spread out and that, that's just it. You know, instead of having yeah. a table for your local Bernie and Phil's or whatever it may be, or your you know, small business, that's it. That's their thing. And we saw that actually last night at a wedding, uh, the venue you were talking about earlier, the greenery at McKenzie's Farm, Milton, New Hampshire. They had a bar inside. Um, the venue uh, definitely was aerated, but there was no like AC. There's no AC and there's no heat in this place. It's a brand new building and they didn't want any of that infrastructure look up there. Um, so what we had done is they had a Volkswagen uh, van come in, like a retro van. And the bar service actually rented uh, or brought their own kind of like lounge setup. So it allowed some guests, if they wanted to pack in the indoor bar, go right ahead. If you felt more comfortable being outside, you could sit in this little lounge area. And that meant that you weren't comfortable going to the bar, that you wanted them to come to you. So you got to now go chill and hang out and you got a cocktail server to come over and talk to you while, you know, maybe 30, 40 other people were in line for the outdoor bar, getting the fresh air outside this apple orchard. So did guests really have any idea that that was a COVID mitigation protocol? No, I don't think anyone did. All right. And that's wow. exactly what it was for, though. Yeah. Wow. I'm amazed by the by the creativity behind all of it. Like, just like, you know, it's just, you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, but like, you can take the, like, you can, you can make it better. And like, it's just like, it's just, I think it really prompted a lot of people to think, really think outside the box. And I think that, I'm just like hearing you talk about it, just like the genius behind it. Like, no, this is what we did. Like, just like, and it seems so simple, but like, <laughs> I think in some ways, like, while it seems so simple, like, I think just the emotion, like when you get, like when people get wrapped up in the emotion, it's hard to see that simplicity that's like right in front of them. Right. And I think a lot of people with weddings, especially where it's a once in a lifetime thing, you don't get two chances to plan this. Well, some people do. <laughs> some people get multiple. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a divorce and remarry or it's a COVID six time postponement. As I spoke with <laughs> yeah. Allison, the height of all this, I remember talking to her. I was at, I was at Loon actually. I was at Loon Mountain sitting in the lodge in the back corner speaking with him the first time last winter when this was also kind of a, you know, we all know just as much of each other, which isn't much at all. Um, right. But it is, it's creating a lot of cool creativity. Like I remember calling my mother up and she was calling to check in on me. Like, how are you doing? I'm like, I oh, were losing like 50 grand a week right now. <laughs> Not too good. Yeah. But we kind of saw that like the horizon and said, all right, how can we cut expenses now, go to bare bones, keep the company afloat. 
Um, what we had done is like, you know, and this has something to do with safety and everything, but just to kind of keep people on payroll is we turned the DJs on to drone pilots. We got them all their federal drone licenses. We put them through school and training. We purchased a bunch of drones and like, what a great social distance fun activity. And also what was happening last year, as far as like content, um, disbursement was we were all watching Netflix sitting at home. We were all watching TV sitting at home. We were all consuming whatever was on social media, and the internet. So we're like, all right, great. Let's for like a year, turn our wedding DJ company, entertainment company, production company into like marketing company. And right. there isn't any pivot into that because events and marketing go hand in hand. And then in right. 2017, 2018, there was a real big shift from uh, like your typical, you know, maybe uh, let's say the inflatable guy outside of a um, car dealership to maybe Dunkin' Donuts has a marketing event and then they have like fountains of, of, of whatever, their new coffee shooting around somewhere where you can like put your cup out and kind of catch it. Like these experiential events is what they call experiential marketing. And it's really yeah. just a full immersive environment. And now with COVID involved in it, it, it really forced that creativity. So my mother called me and she goes, well, what's one positive that you can pull out of this? Like how, you know, how can you pull yourself out of this funk um, of while you're watching like your whole life's work just collapse? Uh, I almost broke down. I was like, the creativity coming out of it was amazing. So your this podcast is about small businesses. You and I both grew up in Stoneham. Um, I grew up for 15 years working for the family that owns Gaetano. It's the Italian restaurant on Main Street. So yeah. they were shut down, only allowed to do takeout. So what I did is uh, we had pivoted quickly. And this was already something kind of in the works that COVID kind of forced a let's get to it type thing. And so we had it purchased- the hand. Yeah, it forced in really on tens of thousands of dollars in live stream production equipment, which we were already kind of learning for other reasons that this was okay. This is our, we have to do it. So we actually turned the Gaetano's bar, back bar into a like virtual DJ booth. Um, we set up our live stream equipment and we did like a live from Gaetano's, like come pick up your food, uh, go home, you, you go pick it up by whatever, 6, 7 p.m., everyone go home and then tune into the Gaetano's Facebook page where we did like a live, like a disco night from the bar. I mean, we had some lights going and like the staff all there. And this is even really before mass. This is like last March and April, like right when everything really shut down. We were all kind of in the what do we do mode and didn't realize right. like the how intense this was all going to be for us coming up. And we were able to raise several thousand dollars in one night for the staff that had pretty much lost everything. At the same time, it was such a good feeling because we had just lost everything too. So it was right. like being able to be so down and out and to help the people that helped build my kind of like backbone in business. Um, that was definitely a tearjerker for me personally. And it was nice to be able to like cut a check to them with a lot of stone right. people's money that had sent us. Um, and so we had done that for quite a few restaurants. And then we sent a bunch of like touch-free photo booths, like children's hospitals and just things that it was sitting on the shelf collecting dust. Like there's nothing we can do. Like, yes, it was a very good PR move. We were well aware of that the entire time. But, you know, these kids that now can't see their families and their friends, like they're, they have no idea. None of us, even as adults, knew what, how to process this. Right. So just to get yeah. like a text from a nurse saying, hey, you know what? Only six kids had the health level that we like trusted to go play with the photo booth. But it was zero to 500 in like they're just kind of even for a half hour of the smiles on their faces. And it was worth it, you know. Yeah, that definitely it was like some chills up my spine. That definitely makes it all worth it. And I think like, you know, when you and someone in entrepreneurs anyway, they're known for being creative because that's how they thrive and they survive. Like you're you're in it like when you start a business or you start some type of venture, you rely heavily on your, um, on your creativity to do something. And 
you know, it also helps in that in that regard to like you really don't have a choice but to have an open mind because you never know what's gonna work. And and not and kind of like to your point there and to extend on it, community. This yeah. like our company wouldn't have I mean, when I was in high school 15 years ago, I mean, we were doing, my dad was dropping me off at someone's Sweet 16, picking me up later. We're playing a bunch of CDs or probably some shit music, excuse my French. Um, yeah. <laughs> going to like, you know, taking like a CD player or whatever on like the back in like a wagon taped to the back of my bicycle and going to do someone's backyard, you know, whatever party, like someone's 50th, 60th, 70th birthday party. And, and to now be at the point where we're in these, you know, multi-million dollar venues, like up and down the East coast, like I'm being flown to Nevada in a, a month from now to go work for four days, all expenses paid just because we were nice to someone a year ago. And none of this would have happened. Like, I mean, for me personally, if it weren't for the Stoneham community, picking this little nerdy teenager that wanted to show up and play some music in their backyard for 50 bucks for the night. Um, so to be able to go back to the town, I mean, Gaetano's was you know, near and dear to me, but I, I know in being in that town and being a member of that thing from busboy to general manager, like to see the impact that so many people have celebrated milestones there. And if that restaurant had failed and if the stones had failed and if the Billy Hill failed, like they each have their pockets of, of repeat customers. And it's not just them. Like we went and spoke to some of the 2020 Stoneham High seniors and said, listen, you can't do prom, but how can we do something to get you guys together without putting you together together? Uh, and yeah. we came up with a ton of plans. And uh, I mean, a lot of them are very expensive, we found out, which is why I said like the virtual stuff's not a viable business for us in live events. Um, mm -hmm. It is very much a multi-billion dollar industry um, as the last year has shown. But, right, right, right. you know, we were able to do like a, a social distance activity with a lot of different schools and kind of get these kids together, whether it was just like a couple of them in their car in a parking lot, a couple spaces apart with music blasting and giant 40 foot screen showing uh, live updates like from their car. They had their own little car parties because we did like a, a drive in type uh, FM radio transmission to their car. And so they could mm -hmm. like then send their little like videos, like almost like their instant TikToks up to the screen. So like everyone can start to be a part of everyone's little mini car party while they're all in the parking lot together. And it was just, awesome. it was something very unique, very different, just much like those drive-by events went. Like, when did you ever think the term drive-by was going to mean something good when we grew up? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When so could you walk into a bank with a mask on? I know. I think of that every single time. Like, I'll walk, I will legit walk into a bank and I'll have a hat on, I'll have my mask on. I'm like, this looks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to take my, and I, and I said, my hair looks worse, but this looks really bad. <laughs> but like you walk into the bank and like, it's not even like people don't, they don't really, it's kind of scary that they don't think twice right now, but like, I'm like, okay, like this is reality right now, but you know, like hopefully it gets better. But I mean, I'm happy wearing a mask when I go out. It doesn't impose me in any way, but yeah, like so many things that like the, like the language of it all, like it's taken such a different spin on that as well. Like, as you just mentioned, like, I don't remember, like, while I feel for the high school seniors, like 2020, and I don't know how it was for 2021, but just like the, it's the culmination of their schooling up until that point. Like that is like the absolute rite of passage, graduation, prom, senior week, all the, you went to Stoneham High. So you had like that whole senior week, like the senior all night party, and it's like what it really is what people do look forward to and i just like you can't help but feel for them because you rec like you realize your own your own experience with it but 
I just like I'm in awe of like how these how these kids were able to like really all right, well this is what it is as well. And then like to have like a whole community and have people like you, uh, DJ, like turn around and be like, all right, well, let's make it memorable. It can't, it's not going to be what we want it to be, but we can make something that will make it well worth it and that will give you something to look back on and talk about in years to come. And that is exactly what we were going for. And, and I mean, we work in unique events. Nothing that we do is cookie cutter. I mean, weddings have a general template that they follow and a lot of events have a general template that they follow, especially like in the Northeast part of America. Like there's kind of a very culture-based or, you know, locality-based uh consensus of how things go but i mean mm -hmm. we're such in the you know we call it the creative events industry more than the live events industry live events came in because of covid to make people realize you know this is a big thing for us uh this industry but i hope these kids can look back a lot of these people that have these like really unique that weren't plan a maybe not even plan b or c events and can look back and say i remember that more it stuck out more because it was so unique you know people got a different right. feeling than what we originally had planned on but they got a positive feeling out of it they got some right. kind of camaraderie and sense of closeness, even when they couldn't be physically close. Um, right. And that's really the best that we could hope for in a situation where we don't know anything of what to expect. Oh yeah. You know, Absolutely. I don't think there's really anybody on this planet that could just say last March of 2020, like, Oh yeah, two weeks is still spread. Like, all right, maybe a month or two and things will be back to normal. I don't think there was really anyone besides big scientists and government that understood like the gravity of what we were under and like the longevity right. of this was going to be and how resilient were people going to be and unfortunately we saw the bad in people and then nicely we saw some of the best in people yeah no absolutely and i think i was away with a, with my best friend in florida last january january 2020 and we're like hey did you hear about that virus and we're like and it's like you kind of pass it off and then it was just like oh okay well like to quote Anchorman, like, boy, that escalated quickly. Uh, well, not only that, yeah. but I feel like most of Florida is still saying, have you guys heard about that virus? <laughs> I lived there for nine months during the pandemic. You wouldn't even know COVID was a thing down there. Like, I'm walking around with a mask on. Like, they're like it's like the when you're in Florida and you're wearing a T-shirt in 60-degree weather and everyone else is in hoodies and stuff, like, that's a tourist. In Florida, I, when I'm wearing a mask in public, I feel like a tourist. I'm like, these, they, they, they're tone deaf. Like, this is... It's totally normal down here, like normal, quote unquote. I use that term very loosely for Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it was like I think it, while it was so unprecedented, and you know the theme of this, like, like you're right, like it's like tourists, like might as well, like coming from Massachusetts and like the Northeast, it's like as you said, it's like it is so rich in culture and it's so heavy in that, and it is like the Northeast region, like I think, and maybe even the West Coast, like probably one of the regions that really embraces that whole aspect. I think that it's just like, I was going somewhere with this, but like, you just like, you look at different pockets of like even our, within our own country, like, wow, this is like really honestly foreign territory. And, uh, but like, even just like with, I have a friend of mine who got married, did a destination in Florida in, may and like even half their family like it's just like no we're not going like they they were just like this isn't going to work like we're not going to do this we're not going to subject ourselves to this and like so they still wind up having a great wedding a great memory but it's like i'm sure it hurts people that plan that but like it's just like all right you know what like you invited who you wanted to invite they made the call and 
I think that's also like another positive, like, okay, like, well, we get to make the call as to whether or not we feel safe or not, or we feel comfortable and confident enough to, to go and to do these things, regardless of where you are in the country. And I had, I had this tough conversation with a lot of clients that were getting very upset with their friends and family for bailing last minute. Now, not showing up after you've RSVP'd, that's a very expensive. That's a different story. Yeah, and, that's a yeah. very expensive um, decision that a lot of people don't understand how expensive weddings are. I mean, like most of the weddings that we do have a budget of 35 to $150,000 a night. Yeah. You know, now when you divide that by the number of guests, cause like there is a per guest cost in the budget. It's not just the plate of food. You know, there's a lot of other things involved. Like that chair is $6. That 72 inch table for six people was about $5 a person. Like there's a lot more mm-hmm. extended costs that are associated with that a lot don't understand. But these conversations I have with people is, during the height of the pandemic, when we were allowed to gather, whatever the numbers were, I was trying to get them to all to understand that the people that are showing up are one comfortable being there two want to be there like inside them. Like they have been home and alone and whatever their circumstances were, they want that kind of connectivity. You're going to have a more emotionally charged fun night or positive night with those people yeah. that want to be there versus like maybe Nan that shows up and sits in the back of the room and is really on edge because she's worried about her health. Like she has a valid concern. If she doesn't come, people were doing the live stream weddings. We did one today. We did one yesterday um, yeah. where the guest list, this is now plan three. The guest list was almost 200 people. And just even now still, they're like, we're going to keep it to 40. And if those of you want to join us online, great. And so what we did is we created like a program where, um, when things were going at the wedding that were kind of like boring for the online guests, we had like slideshows playing instead of like people walking around at the cocktail tables and at the bar during cocktail hour, we'd have like messages right. from guests at the thing show up. So it was like kind of like a, a variety show almost, um, that the online guests can kind of come into. And we also set up email reminders to go out and say, Hey, maybe you don't want to watch all three hours, but at this time, the ceremony is happening at this time, dad's going to give his speech at this time. The maid of honor is going to speak at this time. The first dance is happening. So you can come back and watch if you want. Uh, and we yeah. create them their own little links and stuff. And it's a very cost-effective solution uh, for us as a business um, to allow yeah. those people to come in. It's a lot quicker. We also, we brought in a videography arm this year too, as a response, because videography was very a 50-50 thing for weddings the last couple of years. Like my parents have a, D, a DVD, a cassette tape, <laughs> a VHS tape with the whole two-hour yeah. wedding on it. They're never going to watch it. These days, people want those like five-minute highlight reels or something you could throw on social media quickly. But a lot of them do opt away from a videographer. COVID changed that. Now it's almost a necessity. Um, yeah. You know, people want that. But it, it, our live stream stuff is very different than that because it's meant to, when it ends, it ends. You know, you're not getting recording. You're not getting any editing with it. It's a whole different service. So for us, it helped us boost revenue in a time when we really needed it. It provided extra jobs for people that really needed it. And it created something else that wasn't really a direct competition of some of my closest colleagues and slash competitors some of my fiercest competitors are my best friends outside of work um so it was kind of like a win-win for everybody now we work under white label under a lot of these companies and just throw their logo on the thing like we don't care the check still cashes doesn't matter and we're still providing something new and not so new, unique anymore it was unique a year ago um now everybody their mother is doing it but it, it allows us another way to connect with people in a in yeah. like this instant gratification society they don't want to wait six weeks for the video they want them to tune in now and see it right uh, right you know, and, and even though a camera is involved it's not a again not a competition with a videographer right and i think like with couples too like they're so engrossed like in their day like i would assume that even just like like setting like planning for them is just like such a whirlwind anyway that when they do plan 
can actually, I would even say they can't even sit down and enjoy the day because I could just go and go and go and running off fumes at that point, probably should have an IV of Red Bull, uh, but <laughs> or something, but like, like having that DVD or that like reel from the videographer, like it allows them to really see, okay, like this is what we have to look forward to. And like, again, like you said, like the instant gratification piece, like it's so ingrained in society that like people being able to, I feel like that like little reel is like a way for couples, like even just share with their families or friends again, like, okay, this is like, it's so, it's so exciting for them because they don't get to see it from that vantage point. To that point, and I know this is a podcast and audio based, so you'll see us listeners won't. So we actually, our company, I'm actually uh, limited on Instagram right now in the company account because we have unusual activity happening. So one of our posts from three weeks ago, it's a, in the last 15 minutes, it just got 84 likes. We're now up to almost a thousand likes in this one post. Um, this post was posted three weeks ago as a reel you know, a specific type of, of uh, Instagram video. Instagram was a picture-based or uh, group or whatever app. Now they're going heavy on video. Reels are their like response to TikTok. Why yeah. this is going viral three weeks later, I don't know. In the last 24 hours, this is now at 785 likes and 55,000 views. It was at 4,000 views yesterday morning when we first saw that it was like gaining some traction. In the last couple of seconds, I just got another six likes. What it is, Julia, is a four-second video of, I don't know if you can see it, it's just people walking around a wedding ceremony looking for missing wedding rings. The bride has reached out and had said to me that she hired a videographer. They had a very good videographer, one of the best I've ever worked with. They flew them in from Omaha, Nebraska, amazingly creative kids. Uh, and like they literally had kids like 19, 20, 21. Um, great job they did. However, she said that's the single best memory that she was caught on camera at her wedding. Because everyone was like, so like, oh, like, don't let anybody know we lost the rings. I happened to get it on my Snapchat, found it about three weeks ago and like a memory that popped out from their wedding a year or two years ago, I think two years ago. And we just uh, texted her, I said, happy anniversary. Here's a funny memory I found. Can I post this and just see what happens to it? Um, turns out that's the two of them. That's one of the favorite memories of their wedding is like their entire wedding party around for the guest job to try to find these two little rings. And we're on a massive farm where they had walked around <laughs> doing their photos beforehand. They did find them. You know, uh, yeah. they found both rings, but it just show, goes to show like that, you know, like our business model has changed because of COVID significantly. Talk about instant gratification as we just were. It used to take us two weeks from the time that a bride, a groom or whoever had reached out to us to the time a contract was signed. Now it's about 24 hours. Um, wow. And that is for no pun intended here as well, but that's a symptom of COVID because. Uh, you know what? I'm a fan of puns. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's literally a symptom of COVID with the event industry because there's, you know, we operate on two days a week, really Friday and Saturday and the occasional long weekend Sunday. A lot of people don't get that. Like our availability and pricing is worked off of about 104 to 112 days a year instead of the normal 365 yeah. and a quarter. So now you have all these postponements from 2020 and even 2021 still postponing to later this year or next year. Then you have this like influx of people that were together and actually did fall in love when they were quarantined together versus we had some couples that broke up. Um, <laughs> maybe a good thing in their wallet and, you know, whatever. But um, there's now such a demand for the wedding industry right now. Like it was a total spring for us. We, we went from an 86% loss in 2020, you know, from our best year ever in 19 to now we're almost 500% over, you know, increase in revenue and volume from 2019 and 2020 
2022, excuse me, yeah, 2022 is already at 50% of 2021, with the year still three months away. And 2023, right. we're almost have to stop booking 2022. And all of our like popular Saturdays, like the long weekends, um, pretty much anything, any big Saturday from May until end of full age, mid-October, Columbus Day weekend, really, is already gone for 23. And it's not really just us. It's a lot of the event industry. And people are realizing that right now. So it's actually what I was saying at the beginning of this, of this episode is COVID was one of the worst and best things that could have ever happened to this industry. Um, yes, those that are staying creative and that are staying calm and kind of like, you know, looking at that light at the end of the tunnel, like and taking it with a grain of salt and one day at a time, one step at a time that can make right. it should do very well. Um, right. I'm hoping keep the same calm, for what is it? What's the line? Keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah. And I think that's like a huge, like, I think the last year and a half has been like a huge reminder and like really get back to like, like you said, you said this quite a number of times in various ways, like back to basics, like what is it that we want to do? And then when you do that and then like you're like, you're intentional, like you're intentional behind like what you want to build. Um, and not only that, like you're patient with it, like, you know, like you're hungry for it, but you're also patient, like, you know, and you're, you're faithful that it's going to happen. Like look what happened for 2022 and 2023 for you. Like, like, yeah, I have the feelings about it, but like, it's just like knowing that like, while it does get better, like you do have to go one inch at a time and it will get better. It's just like trusting yourself enough to know like, okay, this is like gonna, and I think that's the hard part too, is like when you like, and the very real part is that when you do trust yourself, like you know that it's gonna happen and it will happen to what you expect. And then clearly more for you in the next couple of years. So I applaud all of that. Well, I I gotta say, I mean, I, I was the one that I couldn't walk away. I couldn't go for a side job. I couldn't change my career because with weddings, we were postponing them. Like we weren't put out of business. We were shut down. Right. We weren't put out of yeah. business. You know, we were just moving the goalposts per se. Like when the, all right, your wedding yeah. can't happen in April, 2020, maybe we'll do it in July. Okay. It can't happen in July, maybe in September. Nope. No, September. Let's do it in 22 now. Um, so we just kept moving people along, but we did so much volunteer work. We did so much advocacy work and, I guess it's not just me. It's uh, there's a staff of 12 of us that uh, 12 of them really um, that I'm trying to find the most PG way of saying take on the chin, but they took on the chin for a year and a half. They were out of pretty much all their money. Um, mm-hmm. We all were, you know, and we tried to keep them on payroll for everything. Like every bit of grant I got, we gave pretty much a hundred percent of it out to them. Like I had luckily had a savings account um, luckily had some investments that weren't killed by COVID and, with their resiliency, with their pushing through and with their loyalty and sticking with this company and believing that we could bounce back, we have gone from essentially out of business last year to this company out of a little warehouse in Stone and Mass built out of my parents' basement in Stone and Mass 20 years yeah. ago. Um, we've won every major award in this industry it has to offer almost globally um, in this last year, in the last yeah. 10 months, in 2021. Wow. And that's helping our business big time. That's the reason I can go to Nevada. That's the reason we were sent to Miami three weeks ago for work is, you know, we, we helped someone that was way above us who, you know, like their career was exponentially beyond us. And they're uh, like considered like an influencer where we're just like a little stone based wedding company. And at COVID put us all on the same level. We were all out of work. We were all essentially useless. You know, mm-hmm. the most useless technology, I think, around with party <laughs> equipment sitting in our warehouse. Like every day we walk in there last year, like, can't even sell this. No one wants it because you can't do anything with it. 
Right. You know, right. Um, but we held on, we had some, we made some really good friends and uh, like our, you know, our, our warehouse landlord dropped our lease down to nothing and our insurance was dropped down to nothing. And the grant money came piling in and the forgiveness just started luckily thank God, coming in and, you know, we were able I'm to make it through, you. but I, I emphasize heavily on the we like it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more people involved. Well, it's not just my company. It's like my colleagues and my competitors who are all brought to our knees that, you know, we're able to put our arms around each other and all step back up together. And now we're back to a level of like fierce competitiveness. And it is amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Oh man. This has been awesome, DJ. Thank you so much for coming on. And I think like a, a lot of people needed to hear like what you had to share in moving forward. And I hope this really helps you like with 2024. <laughs> uh, get some, cause you said like 2023, like it's already almost it, that it's just insane so uh i appreciate your time uh thank you for coming on um and it's nice to meet you albeit virtually and i see you over there how do we feel about tonight's game that's why i'm wearing i have my buck shirt on because i am a brady fan number one uh because brady like me turning 10 11 years old just getting into professional sports as a fan was brady's takeover from blood so but obviously being from new england um Patriots fan so I got Brady in my back and Patriots in my mind there you go I love it <laughs> and that this is the game everybody where Brady made his first return back to New England since he started playing for the Bucks so let's just make sure that that's on the record <laughs> all right so well this, and, this podcast is definitely getting posted after the game so let's put our our end of show predictions here okay um I you know what I gotta tell you I think I think it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be dramatic, and I have no idea. And I really, honestly, I'm stressing out a little bit right now. But um, I would say I'm willing to bet. I think Tampa Bay might take it tonight. I hate to admit that. However, my my hope is that Brady hits the NFL passing yard. Uh, league record tonight you know he's about yep. to be the, the most passing yards um which the pats said they would not really stop the game and do a ceremony they would pause to acknowledge it maybe just throw some fireworks up or jumbotron and move on with the game i hope he does hit that i hope it's 35 32 pats all right i'll take your word for it i'm going <laughs> with that <laughs> once again uh this is dj bruno and uh julia from the locally sourced and we were having an a wonderful conversation about the industry. And we are, I know we're all tired of discussing COVID-19. So today we took a little bit of a different spin on it. We discussed how different new trends, um, what DJ's seen over the past year and a half. And obviously he's going right into the stratosphere even more in the next few years. And he is, thank you so much, DJ. And hopefully at some point you and I can meet up for coffee in the very near future. Oh, I'm a coffee aficionado. I'll meet you at Kushala Sip. All right. Sounds good. My one of my favorite spots. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.